We are entering into our fourth week in our study of the book of Exodus. We are looking today at what I'm titling a message, Cries in the Darkness. We're going to be reading from Exodus chapter 2, verses 23 through 25. Now, a few things that I want to point out about this passage uh, before we read it is we've kind of already covered this in some, on some levels. Our very first message in the, inter, in the introduction of the book of Exodus to us this year, I pointed out that there were five overall themes that we see in the book of Exodus and that we'll see at least one of these themes each and every message, each and every uh, supplemental video, materials, devotion that we put out in our Exodus study, you're going to be able to see at least one of these five themes in everything that we do in the book of Exodus. We talked about this passage in that introductory introductory message. I'm having difficulty saying introduction. See, there, easy for me to say, right? In our introduction to the book of Exodus, these two first two themes came up. And the themes that we see in this passage is that God keeps his promises and God is always with us. God doesn't leave us. He doesn't abandon us. His presence is always there. So we've talked about this already a little bit, but we're going to dive in just a little bit deeper. With that being said, I want us to look at a couple things. We're going to read the passage of Scripture first, and then we're going to pick out a few details. We're going to talk about some observations, and then we're going to look at three attributes of God, of His nature, that we see in this passage. Exodus chapter 2, verse 23. During those many days, the king of Egypt died, and the people of Israel groaned because of their slavery and cried out for help. Their cry for rescue from slavery came up to God, and he heard their groaning. And God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. God saw the people of Israel, and God knew. So one of the first details that I want to point out to us is the time gap that we see in between these verses, between verse 22, which is what we left off with last week, and verse 23, there is a significant time gap between these two verses. And again, this is one of those areas of danger when we look at things in kind of a linear narrative story fashion that we can tend to miss out on this type of nuance in the scripture because there's not, there's not even a chapter break here. Okay, This is just a difference between verse 22 and verse 23, and we are talking about a time frame of decades. Okay, This is spanning a, a long period of time for us in, in our concept of time. We see verse 22 leaving off with Moses in Midian in the wilderness settling. Um, you know, he's married and he and his wife Sephora have a son named Gershom, which means that you know, Moses was talking about being an alien, being a sojourner in a foreign land. And then verse 23 starts by saying that in those many days, the king of Egypt died. So one of the first observations that I want us to make is that uh, there's, there's a significant time gap here. And what that means is not only is there a significant amount of time that Moses has spent in Midian, in the wilderness, kind of on the backside of this thing, tending uh, flocks of sheep, uh, but there's also this same amount of significant time that the nation of Israel, the Hebrew people, has remained in Egyptian slavery. And we talked about how dark 
that time would have been. And quite honestly, I don't know if we've really articulated well just how dark that it truly was during this time. But not only was this a great amount of time that Moses spent in the wilderness, this is also a continual decades that this nation of Israel has spent in utter darkness. So we see that a that the old king, the king who was uh, kind of leading them through all of this oppression and bondage and slavery, has died. Then it says that the people began to cry out to God. Now, I'm going to kind of set I'm going to kind of set scripture aside for just a minute, and I want to propose a thought to you. Okay, so this is me thinking and proposing. This is not this is not me saying this is absolute truth that we find in scripture. This is where my mind goes in this. It says that the king of Egypt died and then the people began to cry out. Now, could it be that the oppression, the slavery, the bondage, the darkness was so intense and so terrible during this time that the people found themselves not even willing or have the, they don't even have the strength or they're in such a great despair that they don't even cry out to God under this king, that they're afraid to even do that. Now, again, we don't have anything that's in Scripture that tells us otherwise, and it, they could very well have cried out to God the whole time, and the author just didn't include that. I'm just proposing this thought of what if that darkness was truly so terrible that they were in such a state of despair that they didn't even cry out to God. But we do find them now. The one thing that we do know true from Scripture is that they were crying out to God now. So we've got this passage in here that we just read that indicates, that tells us that God remembered the promise that he made to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I want to address this for just a, just a moment because we can read this and we can see this word and what what we kind of use this word remember if I tell you that, oh, I remembered something that I was going to tell you and I didn't. It's not remembered in the sense that God was like, oh, yeah, I forgot about that. It was this, this word, this Hebrew word and phrasing that's been translated remembered means that God could not be distracted. It carries this weight of that no matter what was happening at the time, no matter what was going on, no matter how bad, no matter how much chaos, no matter how much depravity and how much wickedness was taking place and transpiring in this time, that it did not distract God from what his promise was to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And that's a really encouraging point for us, or at least it should be, and here's why. Because I think that sometimes we feel like God is so far off in the distance that he has forgotten about us. And God is not able, he's not capable to forget his promises. He is not capable of saying, well, I said that, but I've changed my mind here. You know, we're, we're going against this promise, all right? So understand when it says that God remembered, it's not that God forgot. It's that carrying this weight that God cannot be distracted no matter what's going on, that whatever he has promised will come to pass. Now, we have talked about already in these studies that God's plans and the way that they happen don't often, maybe ever, match the way that we think his plan should be happening in our lives. 
Another interesting little nugget that I want to pull out here today is that there's been a character missing in this, in this story so far. In these three weeks, this being the fourth week that we've talked about the book of Exodus, as we follow this narrative, as we read and study this story, there's a character that's been missing. We've talked about you know, Moses' mom and dad. We've talked about his sisters. We've talked about midwives. We've talked about rulers. We've talked about taskmasters. We've talked about slaves. We've talked about all kinds of people in this situation. People in Midian, Moses, his wife. You know, his wife, his uh, sister-in-law, his son now. We've talked about all kinds of people, but there's one person, there's one character that has been absent, and that's God. Now, I know that we don't necessarily think that God's been absent these few weeks that we talked about it because we've talked about him. But in the narrative, in the story, God is behind the scenes, and we know that now. We know that from this study that God is pushing his plan forward and God is sovereign and he's moving the pieces into place. But everything that's being done is happening behind the scenes. God is in the background of this story so far. And it's not until now that we see him coming to the forefront of this, stu- of this study and this story that we're going through. I, just, I thought that was an interesting concept. And actually, from what I can gather, you, you have to go back a pretty good few chapters and pretty good little time frame back into Genesis, the last time that you see God really on the scene, you see him talked about and you see him referenced, but you kind of have to go back a few chapters before the end of the book of Genesis. And remember, we're talking about one story here. Genesis is part of the Pentateuch, which means book of five. So it's like the second chapter in this story. So now that I've pulled all these little interesting little nuggets, well, at least they're interesting to me. Anyhow, I've pulled them out. Let's start talking about some of the observations that we make here in this passage. And the first observation is that God is always there. And in this one, we could say that God was always there with them. As we read that entirety of that passage, which is on your screen now, you will see that even in the darkness, even in the times that they began to cry out and wondering what was going on and where God was, God was always there. Remember, he, he remembered. He wasn't distracted from his promise. And he saw them and he knew. So God was always there. And we see that in this passage. We also see what we talked about a little bit earlier, that God remembered in verse 24, that he had not neglected them. He had not forsaken them. And granted, I, I can 100% understand and would probably have been right there with them if the nation of Israel felt like God had forgotten them. I just, there's times in my life that I question that even now, as sad as that is, with how blessed I am. I wonder at times, God, have you forgotten me? We can see what we, what we spent time praying for at the beginning of this, the, the situation that's going on now in our world. God, where are you? Have you forgotten anything? You know, what's going on here? But if we look at the amount of darkness that they were in, it would be a natural question that all of us would entertain at some point. But we see in verse 24 that God, God heard them. God remembered. He wasn't distracted. He hadn't forgotten. He had not been, there hadn't been setbacks to his plan that put him behind schedule. He didn't have to go to plan B 
but God was not distracted from what he was doing. The next observation out of Exodus 2, 24 and 25 is that God hears. God hears us and he knows. We see that God remembered, God heard them, and that God knew. God knows what you're going through. And I know that that can be a tough pill to swallow sometimes because we go through things in our lives that are not fair. They're just not. And I'm not trying to sugarcoat anything or trying to whitewash it and say, but they're just not fair. They're just not just. They're just not right. But God is always there. God always sees what you're going through. He knows what you're going through. And know that whether he is in the foreground of your story right now or not, God is always at work for his glory, for your good. And that's a promise that should bring us comfort. And again, it's it's a tough pill to swallow sometimes. Absolutely it is. But that's where our faith comes in. We talked about this last week with God being in control and God being sovereign, that there are times that our faith has to be what leads us. That even when everything around us is contradicting what our faith is telling us to believe, that's when we need our faith the most. So now let's look at some attributes that we see about God's character about who God is in this story. Now, what I'm going to do to show us these attributes is we are going to pull attributes of what we learn about God in this passage out of Exodus. But the main scriptures that I'm going to be using to kind of come under and kind of solidify this concept of this is God's nature, these scriptures are going to come from the New Testament. And it's not because that there is a lack of additional scripture evidence in the Old Testament to these attributes. There's plenty. I promise you there's plenty. But what I wanted to do was make sure that we understand that these attributes of God that we'll see in this story from Exodus, this passage in Exodus, they're still the same attributes of God in the New Testament and now. And we need, this will help us hopefully to weave together this concept that the entirety of the Bible, Old Testament and New Testament, is one continuous story. Now, while we see different methods, we see different ways, we see different results, we see all kinds of differences between the Old and the New Testament, the one thing that we need to make sure that we do when we read the Bible, when we study the Bible, is that the first filter that that goes through is that whatever testament it is, is one continuous story. And that's the story about Jesus, about about God who was good, who is good, who was and is merciful, who was and is full of grace and kindness, and how he restores his people to him. A people who do not deserve restoration, a people who do not deserve redemption, a people who do not deserve forgiveness and his goodness. That's the story that we read. And I want us to see that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And the same attributes that we see in the Old Testament are the same attributes we see in the New Testament. And the same attributes that we're going to see out of these letters out of the New Testament are the same attributes of God today because he is unchanging. So let's look at this first attribute that we see in this passage, and that is the attribute that God cares for us. 
We see that in Exodus chapter 2, that God cares. But we also see it beginning in Romans chapter 8, as we look at Romans 8, 38 and 39. Where it says, For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. As we look at Acts chapter 17, another New Testament record, verse 24 says, The God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man. Nor is he served by human hands, as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place, that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him, yet he is actually not far from each one of us. So we see this element and this attribute of God and Him caring for us both in Exodus and in the New Testament that no matter where we are, no matter what situation we find ourselves facing, that we know that we have a God who cares for us. Take encouragement from that this morning, church family, because I know that many of you are watching this and you are facing something in your life that is dark. You're facing a difficulty. You're facing a trial. You're facing something maybe even that is not right. But no matter where you are, and no matter how you got there, I, I love that that we learned that from Moses last week, that God still supplies for us. God still provides for us, even when we find ourselves in a wilderness place of our own doing. God still provides for us. And you know what? Even if you're in a place of darkness, because of something that you've done or actions that have led you to this place, God does not look at you and say, well, you got yourself into this mess. I'm just going to step back for a little bit, and I'm going to push you away until you can get yourself together, until you can get yourself right and act like you got some sense. I'm going to push myself away from you. No, God doesn't do that. He still provides for us. He still supplies for us, and he still cares for us no matter where we are. The second attribute that I believe that we see out of this passage in Exodus chapter 2 is the fact that God pays attention. And in the New Testament, in Revelation chapter 8, it says, When the Lamb opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven for about a half an hour. Then I saw the seven angels who stand before God, and seven trumpets were given to them. And another angel came and stood at the altar with a golden censer, and he was given much incense to offer with the prayers of all the saints on the golden altar before the throne. And the smoke of the incense with the prayers of the saints rose before God from the hand of the angels. So let's take a look a little bit deeper into this passage out of Revelation chapter 8. Now, Again, this is going to be one of those proposed thoughts, and I'm not saying that this is all because of the prayers, because there's a lot that's happening in Revelation 7 and Revelation 8. There's a lot that follows this. So I'm not saying that this is the sole reasoning, but it does definitely pay a, play a part, and I think that we need to learn from that. So in Revelation chapter 8, John says that there was silence 
in heaven for around the span of what seemed like 30 minutes. Again, John didn't have a clue time frame. He just said, to me, it seemed like 30 minutes. But understand, let's, let's take a moment and unpack the weight of this. Okay, You have a, a, a glimpse into heaven here where there are angels that God has created and that God has assigned that their sole responsibility, their job description from eternity past all the way through eternity future, their one job, they got one job, and that job is to surround the throne of God, proclaiming holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. That's what they do. It's what they were created for. That's why God designed them. That's, that's their identity. And then all of a sudden, we see this moment where God silences them. Now, if you think about that, it's a pretty significant moment, right? These angels who have done this for you know, eternity past are now going, oh, did he just shush me? What's going on? Are we not, were we off key? What happened here? I don't know. Do we need to, were tempo bad? What, what happened? But we see God silencing this praise. It happens continually to him. And he says, I, I need silence. Just a little bit. Something's happening. And what's happening is that on the altar of sacrifice and incense is being offered up the prayers of his people. God, in part, silenced heaven so that he could give his full attention to the prayers and the cries of the saints at this time. Can you imagine that? Think about that. God giving us his undivided attention. Now, if you're like me, and, and this is a beautiful thing about God, too, is that he can handle all of us talking all at once. If you're like me, if you get more than one, maybe two, maybe two people talking at the same time, my brain just goes into scramble mode, and I'm like, God, too much information. I can't handle it. I'm just, I need you to talk. And I need you to wait. But God hears all of us, and each and every one of us has God's undivided attention. Now, if I look back on my parental past, and I think about, okay, so parents out there, let me submit this to you. Because not only does God listen to us, and not only does God pay attention to us, God wants us to continually come to him. So parents, let me see if this sounds familiar to you. Mom, 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 mom. Dad, 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 dad. Hey, can I have this? 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 <sighs> you see, going into my parental past, whenever I looked at Rachel and I went, ask me one more time. I said that and that was not an invitation for her to ask me one more time. It was a threat. Like, you ask me one more time, see what happens. But with God, he like literally wants us doing that. Like we have a couple instances in the New Testament where he's talking about like, man, just knock and keep on knocking. Ask and keep on asking. Seek and keep on seeking. God actually invites us to do that. And that's mind-blowing to me. That God wants, wants, he wants us to know that we have his undivided attention. And that 
There are moments, there are times that we see in Scripture where God silenced everything that was going on around him and said, there's prayers being offered to me. I need to concentrate. It's just amazing to me that God would, would pay that much attention, that, that, you know, who am I? Who is man that you are mindful of me? Just absolutely mind-blowing. And the last attribute I want us to look at is that God is faithful. Let's go to 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 1 through 5. Finally, brothers, pray for us that the word of the Lord may speed ahead and be honored, as happened among you, and that we may be delivered from wicked and evil men, for not all have faith. But the Lord is faithful. He will establish you and guard you against the evil one. And we have confidence in the Lord about you that you are doing and will do the things that we command. May the Lord direct your hearts to the love of God and to the steadfastness of Christ. And then 1 Corinthians 10, 13. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. God is faithful. He's faithful to us. And again, I'm not going to repeat a whole lot here, but just understand that God hears, he knows, he sees, he cares for you. He's faithful to you. He pays attention to you. He's aware of what's happening, and he has not forsaken you. No matter what the amount of darkness, no matter what type of injustice that you're facing, God is faithful. In closing today, I want us to do this. It's a little bit different, and I know that we've already at the beginning of this done a little bit of quiet, reflective time of prayer uh, for the situation that's happening in the world, but I want us to enter into another meditative, contemplative, and reflective moment here. And during this time, there's going to be silence in the background, no music playing, but I want you to take this time and I want you to think of two things that you're thankful to God for. Two things that maybe you thought was an impossibly dark situation that God brought you through. Maybe it's something that you can look back on and that you had been completely and totally convinced that God had forgotten, that God had neglected you, and that somehow he brought you through it. We brought a family member through it, brought a friend through it, that there's no way that this was resolved. There's no way that you came out of this other than it being the hand of God and him being faithful and him caring about you. So take these couple minutes We'll have the sermon considerations for this message posted right after this. But take this couple minutes, sit in silence in your homes or wherever you're watching this from, and meditate and think of a couple things that you're thankful to God for. We'll see you next week.